This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free the chains Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. And in this week, we will be continuing our conversation with Shannon uh, mother and wife from Minnesota. And last week, Shannon had shared the part of her story where growing up, she'd encountered abuse emotionally and physically, grew up in an alcoholic family, and um, was crashing in depression and um, ended up suicidal. And so we're going to be continuing your story. So, Shannon, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just to kind of wrap up what ended up happening, I, you know, I did end up in the hospital and, um, cause I knew that I was fantasizing about suicide way too much and I never ever wanted my family to go through that. So I, I checked myself in and I think the one thing that I really wanted to share with your listeners that was very powerful for me, which at this point I had gone through the doctor, as the doctor put it, every single SSRI that had been on the market, there were no other options for me. So I had two options. I could continue going on feeling the way that I was, which was completely hopeless and bottomed out, or what was called ECT was electric shock, which I could lose my memory. And of course, as a mom, I was like, oh my, lose memory of my children. There's no way. But I pressed into God and he said, I will protect you. I will protect your mind. And he did. Um, I came out. I did lose some memory. But interestingly, it was like I lost memory of probably the worst parts of my life around the suicidal thoughts. Um, But what that doctor told me, he said, we don't know how any of these medications work. This is a psychiatrist. He said, we throw them at the wall and we see what sticks. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people would be devastated to hear that, but I was actually freed by that because I, for one, it gave me empowerment to say, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's not me. Maybe, maybe there's something broken about this system. And um, I was able to get out of that situation. I went home on, oh goodness, I think nine or some, nine or 11 medications at that time, pretty much everything under the sun you can think of. And long story short, um, it wasn't going well at all. And I was more devastated coming out of all of that. I had more scrutiny than ever. I had people judging me, including the church. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, does anybody know what I just went through? The the courage that it took to, to do this. And <laughs> I was telling God this. I said, this, this, is, this is not acceptable. And I was looking at all my medication, and he said, Shannon, we're going to get rid of every single one of those. 
every single one will be gone. And I knew he meant it. And I said, okay, that is overwhelming. And I don't know how to do that. And he goes, we're going to start right here with this one. And I, over the next five years, that's what I did. I, I pragmatically picked away at that. And um, I am medication-free. God freed me. And maybe I did that. And I went through that. It was about a 10, 12-year process of kind of hell. <laughs> um for me to be able to share that with others, that there is hope. There really is hope. Um, I was about as hopeless as you get, and uh, he got me through. And I, I had no one to rely on at that point, no one except for him. So what kind of um, um, feedback or what did you experience from other believers as you were, you were going through this, maybe pastor of your church or anyone? It was very confusing. I wanted so desperately to have the support of my church. When I was in the hospital, um, they were wonderful. They came to visit me, come see me. The pastor himself had issues with mental illness as far as he had issues with um, people with mental illness. And he came to visit me because I was desperate. I was like, you know, pastor, just, you know, help me through this. You know, can we pray? What can I do? What do you think God's telling me? And he told me that I needed to have a schedule. That's why I was sad. And once again, I've had a lot of well-meaning people in my life <laughs> tear me down without realizing it. Um, a schedule for what? And that schedule for the laundry should be on Tuesdays, and the house cleaning should be on such and such. That that communicated to me that I was a bad wife and mother and a bad Christian. Um, I should have prayed more than I wouldn't have felt this way. Um, I wanted to be depressed. I mean, that was the attitude of a lot of believers. And that was really hard um, because, of course, that's where I wanted to go. But God just kept bringing me in to Him. That was the only place that I could go. And I just realized there's such a stigma with mental illness. People just don't understand it. Um, it is a biochemical thing that, just like diabetes, that some people cannot help. And it doesn't mean that they're less than anyone. It does not mean that they're dumber than anyone. Um, they're fully capable human beings. It's just they're, they're struggling temporarily in that moment of their life. And a lot of that, looking back now, was hugely spiritual, hugely. Mm. You know, devil wanted to hold me where I was at in that place of that abusive mentality of what I had learned growing up. He wanted to keep me in bondage to that. So, yeah. Well, let's um, switch gears a little bit and talk about mm -hmm. your marriage. Um, yeah. Share about um, so, uh, what what you went through and in, in your healing journey with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I I met and married this man. I had no intention of getting married anytime too soon. I had a very clear idea what my life was going to look like. Of course, which <laughs> God, as anybody knows, God um, writes your pen, plans in pencil. <laughs> so if God decides to, He can change them. Um, I did not do that. I didn't follow that plan. I met and married Chris and 
was just madly and totally in love, and I thought, he's nothing like my father, he's nothing like my mother, he is loving and attentive, and he's not an addict, and all these things, and I think it was about the time that our first baby was little that things started to, little cracks were starting to show, but in my youth and in my ignorance and lack of faith in God, really, was that I needed to hold on to that image of my marriage so strongly that I couldn't let anything shake it, even the truth, right? So I started to to see these little things in my husband that were not agreeing with me at all. He was very, very flirtatious with women. He was manipulative. He would lie a lot. Um, and I dismissed them or I made excuses for them. And he presented his pornography to me, I want to say in our early years of marriage, as more of a, um, I do this kind of once in a while. It's not a big deal. But, you know, if you're away from me, or if you're not able to have sex, this is what I need to do. As a man, this is, you know, kind of my right. It's no big deal. All the other guys do it. And there again, in my blindness and in my bondage to this, I needed to have this perfect marriage. I was like, okay, I guess that's what a a devoted wife would allow her husband to do. But I I, I questioned it. The Holy Spirit would not let me accept it because I, I would say to him, I don't think God would want you to do this. Well, I don't think it's in the Bible. Mm. Um, I just wasn't in the Bible enough to be able to defend that position. So um, went on from there. And years and years into this, um, and especially around my mental illness, and this would all kind of parallel and correlate, um, he and I both fell very, very hard. And we both respectively ended up having affairs. And it was kind of the unraveling of what was coming. And we both decided, you know what, we want to make this work. People make mistakes. We want to forgive each other. We want to work toward forgiveness and healing. We want God to be on that team. And so we did. And we went gangbusters, you know, or so I thought. But there again was this this thing. I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm like, what is going on with him? It's it's like I keep asking him, are are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you've, you know, you're healing? You're sure you're forgiving? You know, I don't want to rush you, but oh, no, no, I, this is wonderful. I, we're so in love. And, but I had this nagging sensation I just could not get away with. And I, I thought he was having an an affair again. I thought that that's what was going on. And um, my mind would just race. And this all kind of came to a head when he had surgery four or five years ago. And it was on his foot from a child. He was born with a, uh, a club foot. And it was very painful as a child for him. And it's very, very sensitive now as an adult. And it needed complete reconstruction of it. He changed. He, he he somewhat came unglued. He was very mean and combative and vindictive. And I knew or I suspected that the pornography 
was just out of control at this point. He denied that, of course. And I kind of came to my wit's end one day, and I was standing outside talking to God, and I said, Lord, I cannot go on this way anymore with this man in this respect. This is this is not the marriage I signed up for. This is not the marriage I thought you were going to give me. I'm not, this is not the marriage I thought I had. Um, what is going on? And God very clearly said to me, he said, we need to deal with his pornography addiction. Never even entered my mind before that moment. And his childhood trauma. Mm. And I'm thinking, what childhood trauma? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> mm. um, and that was approximately two and a half years ago. And I said to him, I said, the pornography is going to, it's going to be done now. I, I can't do this anymore. You can't be doing this anymore. Um, to walk with God, it, it's going to be in the way for you. And um, it was a battle. He didn't have a problem. It's fine. He's got it under control. And just with all the experience I had had growing up with addiction and learning and reading about addiction, I knew those signs and symptoms, but what we both didn't really know was there was this thing, this this massive thing that he had been hiding all his life from himself, from me, and God was working because it was coming to the surface. And it came out in stages in really strange ways, but the bottom, uh, you know, the bottom line was that he was sexually abused as a five-year-old boy, and that's about the time that he had surgery on his foot. So he, of course, used pornography and uh, masturbation as a way to soothe himself. And, of course, the thought of giving that up would mean he would have to go back there and it terrified him. And it has been a road that I never even thought that I would be on. Um, I've been in disbelief sometimes. I've been in denial, angry, resentful. I mean, I, you just go down the line of all the emotions. I've had them all. But um, what is coming out of it is beyond me. And we're, we're newly in this, as, as you know. We're newly in on, I guess, the other side of it, meaning my husband is fully recognized his addiction and given it to God, surrendered it, um, mm. willingly wanting to give it all over to him. And it was a beautiful Beautiful and terrifying at the same time experience um, to see the power of God is is a little scary. Um, but I emailed you this as well that I thought I had a great relationship with God, and I think I've had a pretty good relationship with God. God has shown me and been there for me and my husband in ways I never even thought possible. He has poured himself out all over us. I mean, just his love, his providence, his... If I, I've had him tell me 
very specific things, very specific things that have come to fruition that are undeniably God. And he has just shown up again and again. And the pornography was absolutely devastating to me as a woman, especially coming from the background that I had. It was this affirmation of all the things that I feared the most, that I was unwanted and I wasn't good enough and all of that. And here I was faced with it again, with this one man that wasn't supposed to do this. <laughs> um, but God showed me how I made even that image of my life my idol, and that I was letting that come between him and I. And uh, even some of the pride that I had in that came all crashing down. And I would have probably six months ago not said I was grateful for that, but I am grateful for that. I am at this place where I am like, holy cow, this is, this has been one awesome ride, actually. Hmm. <laughs> it's been terrible and awful. And But it, to see God work that way, yeah, um, is amazing. Yeah. So is there blessing in suffering, as hard as that question is to ask? I have asked that question years, decades. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, the, the the problem with pain, right? Mm. I I uh, I would have said no way, man. But today, suffering is a blessing. It abs- I understand what Paul means now. I get it. I I'm actually get almost getting to the point where I'm welcoming it because I know that God is in it. He's in everything. Like, thank God, praise God for that, right? Like, so it. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm perfect in any of this because I'm far from it. I still have these fears. It still gets in there and messes with my mind. I still have these big wounds, but God is working in those wounds. And like I said, here I thought I had this great relationship with God. Not that it didn't need work, but I, I, I think I was blind in that. And my work, God's work in me will never be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank God for that. It'll never be done and until till we're home. <laughs> and, um, and I'm so grateful for that. And watching my husband, who really honestly did not have a relationship with Christ at all until this happened, seeing him get to know Jesus in a real and personal way, and my children watching what they've gone through because children are so perceptive, watching what God is doing in them because of the healing and the trauma and the suffering that we have gone through, I don't think would have been here or been as profound without what God has allowed for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I, I agree with you 100%. My own belief is that and going through it was horrible, but every ounce of suffering in my life has been a blessing that he's used to burn off pride, fear, even bring healing. Um, but, you know, I'm not exactly into praying for suffering, but I do see a lot of blessings in it. Let me ask you, um, you talked the last show about having some pretty profound wounds as a child where you found your mom's diary and you read that mom 
basically said she couldn't love you, and then there was the physical abuse. How have you healed, or how are you healing from those? I, um, in one of, because I'm going through Blazing Grace for the second time, and one of the things that uh, Sandy likes to say is, we can't dump and run with God. He wants it piece by piece. And that's exactly how God is healing me. It is it is piece by piece. It is spending time with Him and letting Him lavish over me and asking Him what that feels like, asking Him to show me how He loves me. I think you wrote that in one of the books or even in the Rogue Christian book, but it never occurred to me to ask God how he... I know how I love Him, but how does He love me is so personal and so vulnerable, and to be vulnerable with God like that is, for somebody like me, can be scary. But He gave me a real clear picture one day when I was talking to Him, and I said, "I, I would really like to know that. And it was me... I was about an eight, nine-year-old girl, and I was on a grassy knoll, and I was leaning up against Jesus, he, my father. He was sitting there, and we were watching everybody play, and I just tore off running down the hill, laughing, squealing, tumbling, came back all breathless. He gave me a kiss on the forehead, and I ran and did it again, and he laughed, and he said, that's how I love you. So it was like telling the little girl that she doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And she can just enjoy life and enjoy time with her Heavenly Father and re- mm-hmm. receive grace and love and peace. And there's no expectation of having to do no. anything to receive any of that. He knows who I am. <laughs> he made me. And he delights in me for that. So it's those moments that... uh he reveals those things to me. Uh, like you say, you got to go seeking. You got to look. You got to ask. And um, he he reveals. He just does. He really does in these very, very real ways. And um, yeah, I can't I can't say enough about that. That quiet time with God is is critical. Is really critical. And and the Word has. Now, since meant it's even richer for me as I read it, and it's more personable to me, which is amazing because this is a story read by millions and millions and millions of people, and um, and yet it's personal for just for me as I'm reading it, and I think that is such a profound thing too that you can take something like that and make it just for you mm-hmm. as you seek him and and read and spend time with him so yeah well shannon That's we have a healing those wounds <clears throat> we have a minute and a half left and so what i'd mm-hmm. like you to talk about is how critical is it to have a group of sisters around you for your own healing and support journey oh that has been the blazing grace program has opened my eyes up in a way that I never thought possible the support of the the groups and the people that are going through these things, these 
true warriors of Christ, prayer warriors that are out there is just such it's such a solid ground foundation that you know was put there by God himself that it, it's, I think it's just critical and crucial. And I just would say that if anybody is, because I know I did it too, everybody does it, you're like, no, my story's too terrible, there's nothing that, no, no, that is a lie of the devil. Just retreat away from that and run to something like a group and surround yourself with people who will pray for you. It's It's critical. And part of what we try to do in these groups, um, for our listeners, we try to equip you to be a spiritual warrior because there is intense spiritual battle against every marriage, against every man and woman in the church. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us. Shannon, it's been great to have you. I love hearing your story and your intimate walk with the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.